0: From Digital Horsemanship, this is Finding the Field, bringing you stories and insights from today's most inspiring horsemen and women.
1: The horse doesn't care who you are, it doesn't
0: care how much money you have or where you're from. All it cares is, is that it's getting taken care of. I'm sitting here with Sarah Dawson. She's an amazing horsewoman, a 2018 top 10 NRCHA rider a world champion and record holder which we'll get to later and an incredibly brave writer. So thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Did I miss anything in that intro? No, that was pretty good. I did miss. I missed that you're also a wife. Yes, a wife. <laughs> to, yeah. To uh, Chris Dawson. <laughs> Um, but tell us a little bit about how you get started, got started in horses. So your father was a horseman.
1: Yeah, my, my dad, he was a, a horse trainer and clinician. And so uh, that's pretty much all I'd ever been around. And I didn't really have any aspirations growing up to be anything else but involved with horses. And then it just kind of evolved into what it was today. But growing up, um, I... He trained a lot of like the 30-dayer horses, like the backyard horses that would come in. He'd put 30 or 60 days on them and a lot of problem horses and stuff like that. And so that's kind of what my foundation was and what I grew up with. Um, And then, of course, we traveled quite a bit uh, doing clinics and stuff. Um, And so, yeah, it was was a fun way to grow up, but was definitely always around the horses.
0: So what are some of the, I guess, the... skills that your father instilled in you at an early age?
1: Yeah, the... I would say the the psychology side of things and, and how a horse thinks. I wasn't raised in the the show home per se to where the, the goal was to, to go and, and win the class that you were in. It's like we were I was raised around those problem horses and so I'm very grateful for that to have that strong foundation and um, and the colt starting and the, the horses that might have come with some issues to so I was able to understand how a horse thinks and the psychological Side of it, and I think that's helped me a lot today on the competitive side of things.
0: How does that help you? what's the What's the difference between saying starting a horse for that has a problem or working with a horse that has problems, and then starting a horse that's meant to be a horse? You know, the
1: breeding has come such a long way today, and those those nice horses, how they think, it just that. The good ones—they almost train themselves, in a sense. And so, to to not have always had that luxury of being around those really nice horses, I, I think it helps you make those nice horses better.
0: From when you were a kid, were there any horses that were particularly challenging, or that taught you something special that stands out? Oh. Um, you no, know, we had my
1: dad had this deal going on with the BLM for a little while and he would start their mustangs and um I remember being 10 or 12 and he threw me on one of this these horses and we went on a ride and this horse started acting up and I got scared and it w- it was during a clinic actually and so th- there was about 10 of us out there and we had to go gather some cows And um, my horse, he started acting up, and my foot, it was terrifying, actually. It went through the entire stirrup. Worst nightmare. Yeah, it it was terrifying. And I I don't remember every detail exactly at this point, but in the end, I was fine. I got my foot out of it. I made it home. We survived. (laughs) We lived to ride another day. I just remember that experience. It was so terrifying. Um, But, yeah, it was was funny. (laughs) It's like I didn't always have those nice broke horses to get on and ride. It's like we, we kinda had those those rejects or those more difficult horses and so uh, just to learn how to deal with those situations and circumstances with confidence that didn't happen overnight, but it kinda took a little a little time and was gaining knowledge and and all the above.
0: <laughs> so then you started competing in cow horse uh-huh. eventually. How how did that kind of work into your life? Um
1: around my high school years it it was something my dad had always wanted to do he he had always had aspirations of showing in in the rain cow horse and it was probably my freshman year of high school where um he bought a bridle horse and we uh we kind of shared him he we would tag team him he would show him in the limited open and then i would show him in the youth um and we did that for a couple years and then we uh, what did we do after that? Then we bought some Hackmore horses and then we bought some three-year-olds. It was funny. I remember, uh, Lynn Anderson saying that, uh, you guys should be poster childs for the NRCHA because you did it right. You got your bridle horses and then you went on to the derby horses and then you went on to the three-year-olds rather than starting at the three-year-olds and trying to work your way up that way. But, uh. But yeah, that's how that's how we got started.
0: I watched this video I found on YouTube of your dad, and he was saddling up a horse, and he was talking, and he was saying something like, "It's a circle of circle of life." I'm saddling up my own horse so my daughter can go show it. Yep, yep.
1: It's funny how that works out. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So then, when did you decide you wanted to do it
1: professionally? Um, you know, it kind of evolved into that. Uh, it was. Uh, I was eight no 17 and I was kind of at a crossroads because I did a lot of the venting as well in high school and so I, I didn't hadn't quite decided well do I want to do a venting or do I want to do um the cow horse and we were um at the snaffle bit for charity and my dad was having a conversation with John Rozier and uh it kind of so happened that John was looking for some help at that to- at that point and um So I I got a job offer and I ended up working for John um, for two years. And that's kind of what solidified me in the the rain cow horse world as a profession, I think, was was that job there.
0: So what did you spend most of your time at John's doing?
1: at that point, uh, I had already shown a three-year-old and was fortunate enough to make the limited and intermediate finals on him. Um, and so at John's, I was kind of in charge of the, the two-year-olds, and then he did give me an opportunity to show a couple horses while I was there, which was awesome, um, but mainly the two-year-olds.
0: Can you tell me uh, what, what John taught you about working with two-year-olds? John has... An incredible
1: amount of feel, uh, but he is a man of very few words, and so most of what I learned from John was watching and trying to pick up what in the world he was doing. Um, but uh, I, you'll you'll never find a man, I don't think, that has as much feel with a horse as, as John does. I mean, what, it's amazing how he can he can just get on and get a very green horse to do things it's um quite incredible and so i would probably say that's what he taught me the the most is is kind of trying to discover how to have that much feel with a horse
0: can you describe to us what you mean by feel (laughs) i don't know how to describe feel feel is
1: just oh feel is an indescribable word uh you know, it, it's something, in my opinion, Don Murphy would actually, he actually said, you can't teach feel. It's something that you you, you have or you don't. I think it can be developed, um, but you can't, I don't think, or at least I can't sit here and, and tell a person how to get feel or what feel is it's just you feel it you just you feel if it's right you feel if it's wrong you you it's kind of knowing how much pressure to put on one when to pull when to not how hard to pull I and mean, just just feeling the situation and knowing what you need to do
0: so then tell us the first time, John, you said John put you on some three-year-olds as well and let you go show. Uh, yeah, yeah, they were definitely the
1: bottom enders, the ones that weren't good enough for him to show. Um, but uh, those would have just been the horses that uh, we, we had from two-year-olds. And, you know, some of them make open horses and some of them don't. And uh, the assistants get to show the ones that don't. <laughs> so
0: any of them stand out to you that, that taught you? I had, yeah um, he was a big
1: bay gelding, uh, a west coast whiz I think was his dad's name and uh, he, I was able to make the limited and intermediate finals on him um, but he, he was a neat horse, my dad actually bought him and still owns him and uses as, him as a, like a clinic demonstration horse now hmm. uh, but he is the horse that I was on when my husband, Chris, first remembers saying his first words to me. And so that's why that horse stands out in my mind.
0: What <laughs> were those words?
1: Oh, it was something to the effect where I was stopping him and he wasn't stopping very good. And oh, what did he say? He said, I'm so impressed that you're able to get that sorry SOB to stop that good. And I don't even know why he said anything at all. But yeah. There was something along those lines. There's it wasn't very there. good. <laughs> <laughs> it still worked somehow, though. Somehow. Well, years later, it
0: worked. It didn't work at the time. But <laughs> years later, yeah. <laughs> so you you got that horse show and you made the finals on it. Mm-hmm. What did, how did that feel?
1: It was nice. Yeah, it, well, of course it was nice. But no, he was the second one that I was able to make the finals. And by that point, I thought I had it figured out. I'm like, oh, yeah, I come here and I make the finals. And then the next few years, I realized that didn't happen every time. So,
0: but yeah, it's always nice to make the finals. So was there a moment after that, so you're feeling pretty good, then was there a moment after that that kind of knocked you back down or? Yeah. The next time I went, I didn't make the finals and I had like
1: three horses, I think I showed maybe two or three horses I showed there and I didn't make the finals on any of them. So
0: yeah, it's a very humbling sport. It is. (laughs) Tell me about one of those times that stand out that you went out there and you feel like you failed. and and what you learned from that. On one of my most favorite
1: horses at the Prefaturity, I felt super confident going in there, and she did good in the first two events, and down the fence it was terrible. And that was probably the most disappointing show I'd ever had on a horse, I think, just because that horse meant so much to me and I had such high hopes for and it. it turned out great in the end In the futurity, she ended up fifth, but that pre-futurity was probably the most disappointing show that I had had. So what do you think happened there? Mistakes I had made along in the training process and not getting those spots down the fence that I needed to get, um, it's, so just man-made mistakes.
0: So, you came out of that and then how did you approach getting those fixed for the futurity? I went home and I went down the fence
1: a lot and just made her make a lot of fence runs and that's about all we did until the big futurity.
0: And did you did you get nervous going into the futurity after that? You know, It was a a very
1: strange feeling. I I remember going actually into the herd and up until that point, and that was almost kind of a turning point, I think for me in the show pen, because in that herd, three people had lost cows. And so, like, I was super nervous up until those three people had lost cows. And then it's like, I kind of took all the pressure off of myself. It's, it's like, I could go in here and lose a cow. I mean, it can happen just that easy. And so it's hard to explain it, but it, I kind of changed my mentality about it. And I think that really helped me for the rest of that horse show. Because it's like, of course, I still tried hard, but it wasn't... I didn't let that show or the effects of that show kind of shape my whole outlook on everything. There's always another horse show and you, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, your horse can fall out of lead. You can lose a cow. You can draw bad down the fence. You don't really know. You can't control it so much. And so to stop putting as much pressure on yourself um, and as much pressure on the results, that's that's really helped me, I think, moving forward with showing.
0: And so that's a mentality you trying to maintain. I do, yeah. Do you have any... Particular approaches to how You keep doing that I don't really
1: have any Pre-show rituals Like I, I don't have any songs That I like to listen to Or I I I, I don't know. I I know a lot of people do, and it really helps them. But no, I don't. I don't really have any any pre-witchroll things that I, I like to do before I go show.
0: You just try to stay relaxed and. Yep. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. You went and worked for Sandy something? That- before
1: I worked for John. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was at Sandy's and. Um, Yeah, I spent a couple summers with her um, when I was in high school. And then right after graduating from high school, I think I spent seven or eight months there. Um, And so it wasn't a super long time. But yeah, it was a short stint I was able to spend there, which was awesome.
0: Yeah, another great horsewoman.
1: Yeah, she's quite incredible and now is a Hall of Famer. And yeah, pretty impressive what she's done.
0: Anything she taught you that... Uh, stuck with you in your program today she's and is an extremely
1: hard worker and so I would say that her and her perseverance and she she worked seven days a week rain or shine um and so I, I think in this industry, you have to have a wonderful work ethic as well as love what you do, because you don't really get a break from it. And so if you don't love it, it's, it's not going to be for you, you know. Um, but uh, she, she worked so hard at it and was so dedicated to her horses and her clients. And so that, that was a big thing that I took away from her program.
0: So Sandy, then John, did you work for
1: anybody else after that? Um, I worked for Carol Rose for a year. And then after that, I went home and did the clinic thing with my dad for a year. Um, And then I got married.
0: And shortly after you got married, you started your own business with
1: your husband? Uh, Yeah, he already had uh, Dawson Performance Horses going. Um, And so I just kind of joined along with him once we got married. And we came, Dawson performance horses times two.
0: Well, we've had a lot of successes so far. Mm-hmm. Um, what's one of your favorite horses? Uh, my favorite horses would definitely be
1: Shine Smarter or Juliet um, which is that mare I told you about had the very disappointing pre but mm-hmm. came and had a good faturity. and uh, she's the horse that I would say is the reason that my husband and I are married and then she's also the horse that kind of put me on the map um, she was the first one I was able to make the open finals on at Snafflebit and then the first horse I was able to make multiple open finals on derbies on and so she really helped me be able to ride these horses I'm riding today. What is she like? What's her personality like? She is... Loves peanut butter crackers. (laughs) Loves them. Uh, The kindest horse ever. She's not marish at all. I mean, she just loves people and loves attention in uh, the rain work she can be a little warm a little tricky to get shown in the rain work but as, as she gets older she's getting better with that a real gritty mare um really really good on a cow really good down the fence i would have i would like to have her now in my career um because i even though she's been super successful and she's won over a hundred thousand i mean she I've, I've made a lot of mistakes on her in the beginning and she's taught me a lot and um, so it would just be fun to have her now, knowing what I, knowing what I know now. Um, but, uh, but it doesn't work out that way. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't. We have those t-shirts. I, yeah. have, I have one of those. Are you open to telling us some of the mistakes you feel like you made on her? Yeah, um,
1: I would say the biggest thing I did on her was I got her way too spongy in the face, and I didn't connect it throughout her body. And so that's come back to haunt me a lot through her career. And so just knowing now how important it is to get that connection down to their feet
0: um, is the biggest mistake that I made on her. Have you had any horses that challenged you and you feel like you eventually got got through it?
1: They're all challenging in their own respect, uh, but as far as a horse that like, I just didn't think was gonna make it and kind of surprised me in the end, I have yet to have one of those, to be honest with you. Pretty much the ones that I thought this horse isn't going to make it, I was not able to make it make it, so I I don't have one that really stands out, but I mean, they all present their own little idiosyncrasies and their own little challenges Mm -hmm. along the way, Um, but I have not had that one to where I was just thinking it's not going to work, it's not going to work, and then it does. Usually when I think it's not going to work, it's not working.
0: to talk about then um about shiny outlaw yeah so last year you showed him at the AQHA world show and you won the junior working cow horse tell us about getting that horse ready for that show
1: that horse is very simple um i mean he's he's a little show horse and the judges love him he kind of has that little extra something that we all want in a horse um he's he's super gritty and he's He's just an awesome little guy, but getting him ready, he's super easy to prepare. I mean, throughout the year, we would use the, like, the smaller affiliate shows, you know, to just kind of lope him through a pattern to know every time he goes in the, into the arena, he doesn't have to run his little wheels off. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, he's hes easy to get ready. He's easy to go show. I mean, he's, he's pretty simple.
0: So walking to the show pen for that run, what were you thinking? You know, the best advice and Chris
1: would tell me this. Um, he's like, you just go work a cow. Like you're at home. You can't try to make those big runs happen. Cause if you try to make a big run happen, it's going to fall apart. And so you got to a cow is going to do what it's going to do. And you just hopefully you get enough cow to where you're going to get a big score, and but you just you just got to go work it like you're at home. Um, so you can't really force anything to happen, and everything fell into place with, with that particular cow. And in the rain work, it that horse, the faster you runner, run him, the longer he's going to slide, and he, he always turns fast, and he lopes cool circles, and so it's pretty easy to mark on him in the raining. But as far as down the fence, it's like – couldn't try to to make that happen it just it just fell into place and worked that night
0: so you sound like you were pretty confident in him Uh, yeah you know
1: you got to be confident in your horse when you go in there and then uh you you just hope you you get a cow and you draw a cow that lets you mark that big score but uh it's it's a lot more comforting when you're confident going in (laughs) yeah
0: so at that show you hit a world record
1: yeah, that was very uh, unexpected, but exciting.
0: Yeah. So total score four fifty five, and there's this uh, great video. I get watched it about a hundred times. Of so you standing there, and they're announcing the winners, and it's you and Todd Crawford left,
1: and everybody wants to know what Todd Crawford said, and I I don't know what
0: Todd Crawford said. <laughs>
1: Um, I don't know that he said anything. I think he had a toothpick in his mouth and he was chewing on his toothpick. I don't, I don't <laughs> know. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what he said.
0: But they announced your score, and he he looked at you and he knew it was you. Yeah. And he knew it was not him when they announced the score. Did you know it was you?
1: I had a pretty good idea. I did.
0: I, what did that feel like?
1: It was awesome. Yeah. I mean, I. I'd never shown at the world show before, and so it was—it was a very neat experience to have such a a recognized run. It was—it was pretty cool.
0: Is that something you you think about often, and kind of what went well that day?
1: No, not really.
0: Everything I just fell into place. It it really did. It just fell into place. I mean,
1: you you do your work at home and and hope it works out when you when you go to the show pen, um, but. I mean I've had runs on other horses that I I've liked just as well or or better than, than that run and it just The judges happened to like it that day, and so it just it fell into place. (laughs) Tell
0: us about another one of those
1: shows. You know, I have a traveling Jones mare right now. Um, Her name's Traveling Miss Jones, and she's probably my favorite fence horse I have. Uh, She's just she's so gritty down the fence, and um, so she she makes some very cool runs. What
0: do you mean by gritty?
1: You know, she just she has a lot of heart, and she has a lot of try, and Kind of one thing I thought about at this last show that I was at with her is uh, she's she's a finals horse. She she kind of pulls out deep within her like when she's a little tired and she's a little sore, and that's when she makes her biggest runs. Um, and so it just to, to have a horse like that, a lot of times their scores might fall off a little bit in the finals mm-hmm. just because they're not fresh, you know, but she always seems to put her high scores in, in, in the finals.
0: sounds like
1: a special horse. Yeah, she's pretty cool.
0: You don't seem like you get get nervous. I know we talked about that a A little bit. A lot of people say that, but no, I get nervous.
1: I get real nervous. I think it's how you handle those nerves that is the important thing. But uh, no, I'm just like everybody else, and I get real nervous. How do you handle those nerves? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not really sure. They've asked me that as well. And... um, and I don't know. Cause like, I, I feel like in in my mind that, Hey, I'm nervous and I don't really know how I'm going to handle this, but it's like, I don't have anything that, that I go through to, to help me handle those nerves. And, um, I know Chris does like he, he has some, some things that he does for himself. Um, and, and it works real good for him, but, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know, because I mean, I I tell myself it's like, we're, well, we're just playing a game. It's not like we're saving the world or curing cancer. It's, I mean, really, we have such little impact on society for what we're doing. Um, and so I try to keep everything in perspective like that. But it certainly doesn't keep me from getting nervous and keep me from wanting to do well. But it's just. It's handling those nerves. I think showing as as a youth helped quite a bit um, and just having a lot of experience in the show pen. But, uh, But no, I still get nervous just like everyone else.
0: Do you feel nervous when you're actually out there doing it or is it just before? It's mainly just before. And,
1: you know, it's... I get this thing in my mind. It's it's like, what am I going to do if this happens? But it's, it's quite incredible. You're out there and everything just becomes second nature. It's like you just, you know what to do and it's muscle memory. Um, but like thinking before a run and like not so much in the rain work, but like in the herd work and, and in the fence work, you think of all these what-if scenarios, you know? And But like once you're out there, like once that clock starts in the herd work or once that cow comes out down the fence, I mean, you just kind of go into job mode. And you just, it, it, I don't know, it's just kind of becomes second nature is the, the only thing I can I can think to describe it.
0: You kind of differentiated between the cutting and, and the down the fence work. Is it, is it different for you, for the rain work? Um, you know, yeah, the rainwork, yes, it's very different because you don't have
1: that cow. And so it's a situation that you should be able to control, hopefully. Um, so yeah, it's it's a different feeling for me going into the rainwork and it's still definitely a nervous feeling, but it's a different kind of nervous for me because there's not that third aspect of the cow and you don't re- I don't think of those what if situations so much in the rainwork.
0: What about any
1: superstitions? (laughs) I don't. My husband will have fun answering this question for you, but I really don't have any superstitions. I mean, uh, the only superstition I have is if I think a saddle pad looks pretty on a particular horse, I would like that saddle pad put on that horse. But uh, other than that, no, I'm not very superstitious.
0: (laughs) So you did 3D eventing. I've seen you've done it kind of in the last years as well. Yeah. Is there something that translates across both of
1: them? Three-day eventing is kind of like the rain cow horse of the English world because you have your three events. I mean, your dressage is not going to be as fancy as a straight dressage, kind of like our rain work in the raining, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, you just... You have to be able to train them for those three very different events. And um, I do it for the cross-country because it's just the adrenaline rush you get is so much fun. And so I tell people it's my golf. I mean, I don't really have any aspirations to have a, a barn full of event horses. Um, but I, I have my own, and I go have fun with him, and I really enjoy it.
0: So it's the, the adrenaline then. That's what I was thinking with the down the fence and then yep. the cross-country. Yep, So you have your eventing horse now.
1: I do, yeah. And what's his name? Uh, Well, I I had one that I was doing a lot of eventing on. His name was Romeo. I sold him, though, and I bought a younger one. Um, His name is Tiki, but uh, he won't be old enough to show till next year. So we're just training him at the moment. (laughs) What's he like? Um, Green. (laughs) He's not very broke at the moment. But I, he's nice. He actually, he has a better jump than my gray horse. Um, my husband thinks he's ugly, but uh, but that's okay.
0: What would your advice be to somebody like me or a non-pro who's looking to become a better horse person?
1: Uh, find someone who you really respect and, and go ride with them and pick their brain and just learn as much as you can.
0: What about somebody who's like a weekend warrior who has a full-time job?
1: Who has a full-time I would say the same thing and just, yeah, go, go get yourself a good trainer and a, a good horse um, and go take as many lessons as you have time for and go have fun. Cause I mean, that's what I do. I consider myself a weekend warrior of the eventing. It's like, I don't have all the time in the world to dedicate it, dedicate to it, but I have my one horse and once or twice a month I go and ride with a trainer. Cause that's about all I have time for. And uh, I, I, tried to find the best trainer in my area that i can go to and i I go ride with him and i try to get better
0: is there something that you keep doing consistently with your horses like a habit of some kind you like to instill in all of them or an approach that you take with all of them um you know we work a lot of cows a lot of people put a
1: lot of emphasis on on the reining and stuff, mm-hmm. but uh, we do a lot of our reining training like on, on a cow and down the fence and stuff. As far as developing that stop and the lead change, um, and so I would probably say that's what we do with with the majority of our horses that we're real consistent about is we we try to show them a lot of cows.
0: Tell us a little bit about kind of your program today. What are your what are your goals? My personal goals. Would be
1: and my husband is um, very close to reaching my personal goal, um, to, to be on the million rider list. Um, it's not necessarily to go win a particular show cause anyone can go win a show one time. But when, when you're on that million rider list, that means you've had multiple success with multiple different horses. You weren't a one hit wonder, but, uh, you just have a history of a tremendous amount of success. And so that, that's my goal to be able to be on that list one day. I've got quite a ways to go, but we'll keep ticking away at it.
0: I'm sure you'll get there. I hope so. Is there a step program that you have that you feel like sets your horse up from success to training, to show, to showing? What do you think What makes it come all together in one of those days and like excluding kind of the the randomness that could be the cow, but say, you know, getting yourself prepared and getting that horse prepared.
1: I would say, and I don't know if this answers your question or the answer that you're looking for, the quality of horse that you have is a huge factor. I mean, of course you have to train it and you have to be able to show it well, but these days... You have to have such a good horse, and it takes such a good horse. Um, And so when you have those good horses, it's amazing how simple it is. When you have average horses, it's amazing how difficult it is. Um, And so I would say yeah you need to have a good program and you need to believe in your program and i i believe that we have a great program but your program can only take you so far if you don't have that horsepower behind you i mean it just that plays such a huge role today and i think a, a bigger role than it played 10 years ago i don't think it took as good of a horse 10 years ago as it did today
0: everything's so specialized it's so specialized precise what do you look for on a great horse um,
1: you know, you look for the talent, of course, but you you also look at, at that mind and they have to have that trainability and that grit to them. And so uh, you, you do look for that, for that talent aspect and you want them to have that certain look, but that's only going to get them so far on finals night. It's going to be that grit and that heart and that trainability that's going to shine through.
0: What's a trainable horse like? A trainable horse
1: is the one that you look forward to getting on every day, one that you feel like you're you're just able to kind of make progress, and um, it's it's the one you, you want to go and, and ride first.
0: Something that um, a lot of people have mentioned so far is building confidence in a horse. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you are found to be critical. It is critical, yeah, because
1: I, I, you can kind of develop that trainability too when that horse has confident building situations and is feeling like a winner. It's like you can't come out there every day and, and let that horse lose because – their heart and mind isn't going to be into it, and so no, you definitely need to have a, a program that that lets that horse win and and kind of realize that hey, this is fun, and that there's a point to this, and I'm not just coming out here every day and getting pulled and kicked on. So yeah, no, you definitely need to to build that confidence in there and that desire to do their job, because I think you can take a great horse, and if you don't have a very good program, I think you could almost break them down to where they don't want to try anymore. And once you take that away, it's very difficult to get it back.
0: Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit more about building that confidence and letting them win. Can you give us maybe a specific example about giving them confidence, either going to the fence or maybe in a maneuver mm-hmm. how you do that?
1: Yeah, I would say working with cows – it's a huge help because it gives them a purpose to what they're doing. They can kind of make sense of the whole situation. And so I I would say that we're very fortunate to have that aspect because you can let them feel like a winner. I mean, just something as simple as peeling a cow out of the herd and getting a few turns and that cow turning away and you quitting. And so that horse realizes, hey, I just stopped that cow from getting back into this herd Um, or going down the fence and – you go make a turn and then you go circle that cow, and that horse gets up into that spot. And then um, you, you let him take a few strides in that spot that you want him to be in, and you pull up and you're like, You're a good boy. You got to that spot, and now we get to quit and take a breath. And so, just setting up those situations to where that horse isn't going to lose.
0: I love that. And
1: especially with the cows, you got to think that that helps. Oh, huge help. And that's why we do a lot of our our raiding training with a cow too, is to help things make sense to them, you know, rather than go 50 circles and go fence them 40 times. You kind of give them a purpose to what they're doing. Right.
0: What do you love so much about the horses?
1: That's a wonderful question. I never really thought about that. (laughs) I don't know. I've just always loved them. They're they're really amazing animals and, you know, my parents work at a school right now, um, a private high school, boarding school for uh, students, and they have a mandatory horse program. They take some kids on sponsorship, but they get a lot of very high-profile students. Cause, I mean, it's an ex- expensive school to go to. Mm-hmm. But they have this horse program, and their belief behind it is it puts everybody on an even playing field. Um, I mean, the horse doesn't care who you are. It doesn't care how much money you have or where you're from. All it cares is, is that it's getting taken care of. And so for, for an animal to be able to be applied to something like that that is outside of our horse show world but to have that can have such a big impact on a young student's life is is pretty amazing um i mean they're just they're truly incredible animals and all all they want is to be comfortable and taken care of and they they really don't ask for much um for for all that we ask for them and it's amazing what they can do for us really when you when you sit and think about it it's i I don't even know how they figure it out because in my opinion it it seems like like I'm asking the horse to do 10 different things with the same cue so I, I don't have any idea how they rationalize it in their minds but somehow they do and it's it's quite incredible
0: <laughs> it is I mean you think about how big and, and strong they are Yep. and somehow we're able to get on their backs and, mm-hmm. and they want to learn yeah and it's pretty crazy yeah they're pretty pretty cool animals I love the horse industry because the people, it's such a community mm-hmm. and everybody supports each other and especially, I don't want to harp on this too much, but especially with the women. So watching like you and Aaron out there and everybody's rooting for you and um, cheering for you. And it's not like that in all the industries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has, has that made a difference for you?
1: it makes it a lot of fun, you know, I, I, um, but the cow horse, the people are just, they're so welcoming and that we're all rooting for each other. It's, it's kind of like, it's not us against the other guy. It's us against the cows in a sense. And so to, to have an industry like that, when you go to a show, it's like, you feel like you're, you're going to camp in a sense, you're going to see all your friends and it's just, it's very special and I don't think a lot of industries are like that. I mean, we go we go and ride at each other's house for fun and we bounce ideas off each other and we're just we're all trying to get better. It just happens to be that we're competing against each other, but we're not really thinking about, "Ooh, I want to beat that person," you know? It's mm-hmm. like we're just kind of thinking we want to do as best as we can and the chips will fall where they fall.
0: Do you think it's the added kind of maybe complication or danger of the cow that Changes that environment. I would say the the complicatedness of it,
1: and just you you never really know what's gonna happen. It's, you can study that herd and and hope you picked your three good cows, but you, you don't really know until you go get them cut and you have your herd help, the four other guys that are still competing at that horse show, but they're there watching your cows for you, helping you pick out good cows, helping you find the cows. When you're down there, even though they might be two horses away from you and they might be wanting to cut those same cows, they're still helping you find them. And so to have that camaraderie and people wanting to help you and see you do good, it's, It's very
0: cool. With all that help, what are some of the best pieces of advice you've been given as a horsewoman? Training-wise or just anything in
1: life? Yep, anything. Uh, My mom gave me the best piece of advice, and I feel like I did pretty good. She said, marry well. I feel like I married very
0: well. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What did marrying well mean to you or to her?
1: To her, uh, you know, she didn't care so much about what job they had. They just, she just wanted someone that would love me and that was a good, hardworking man. And that's what Chris is. He loves me and he works very hard. So yeah, I was very fortunate there.
0: And he's supportive and super helpful when you're getting ready to show. He is pump
1: you up. very supportive and is my best coach. It's been incredible to see how far I've come in, I think, about, the, about three and a half years since we've been married. He just He's a, a wonderful, wonderful coach and has helped me tremendously with my horses.
0: It's another pattern that I'm seeing across trainers and across horse people is they, they talk about their partners and in a role they are oh, to especially in the horse business. I mean, I think it goes
1: back to because it's a lifestyle. It's not a 9 to 5 job. You you're always thinking about it. You're always doing it. Um, and so it's not like you you come home from work and you have another life i mean your work is your life and so yeah who your spouse whoever you marry there it's going to be their life too whether whether they like it or not and if they don't like it it's probably not going to work out very well (laughs)
0: so So what's next for you um
1: our next big show will be the uh derby and paso robles yeah. It's coming up fairly quick. It is, yeah, in June. And then, of course, our big one of the year will be with our three-year-olds at the Snafflebit. Um, but, yeah, the, the next derby will be in June. And you have mm-hmm. horses you're excited about for both events? Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I You know, we, we all hope we have a good group of three-year-olds. The truth is you never know till you go. Um, but they're fun. It's fun to wake up and, and ride them every day. Um, so we, you hope they're good. But... You never know till you get there.
0: (laughs) Cool, well thank you so much.
1: Thank you, that was fun.